Live from Eon Project Studios, perched high atop the banks of the majestic Blackstone River. Greetings from the jewel of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Hey, Mike. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. How's it going? I haven't seen your face in uh, I know. some time. We've had a little bit of a delay. We have had a delay. In the production of the program, which I know is uh, meeting with some horrible uh, anticipation by our fans. I know. I've, I've uh, received many a message uh, yeah. asking when the Eon Project is coming back because their lives are unfulfilled without the, uh, the, the show. They lack something. A je ne sais quoi. Oh, you French too? You will. I am French. I don't speak anything of, of, the, of the language except for a few tidbits of useless. You know, I thought I was French too until I took two separate DNA tests, which yeah. said I'm You know, we very should talk about, French. on a future show, we should talk about DNA, uh, the mysteries of DNA, uh, what it all means. Spreading DNA across the world. Yeah, they call it seeding. Yeah. Alien seeding. seeding. There's an alien seeding theory that the Earth, you ever hear this? I have. That the Earth I has been. I subscribe to that theory. The Earth is actually populated by uh, seeds of DNA. From other worlds, like oh, they send out these. Well, let's not get too into it, but yeah, we'll talk about yeah. that on a, any uh, no, I, on a future. And the reason show. I mentioned is because we did get a a, a a bevy. You know what a bevy is? Like a like, like a, a, a group of things. Yeah, a bevy of new followers, including some folks who are really into the alien mm. alien thing. You know, we've actually had uh, followers across the world mm-hmm. popping up everywhere. Yeah, because we can check that via the uh, the the podcast site. We do surveillance on them. It's pretty scary how they can they can pinpoint where people are. are I wonder if it could be so so minute in detail as to tell if they're in the bathroom listening to us, which I think would be really interesting. That would be cool. But, you know, there is an app. I, I can't remember the name of it now. I heard about it a few years ago. It's it's basically like a, a bathroom. When you, Whenever you go to the bathroom, like when you're going number two, yep. uh, you click on this app, and what it does is it, it, it shows people all around the world that are going number two at the very, very same time <laughs> you are. How does it know? Well, because everybody has the app. Oh, so you just click. You know what, though? People would lie. People, oh, yeah. people would like because you know what you'd find some guy in Mexico who said he's been to the bathroom thirty seven times. Well, you could today. you could chat with somebody who's going to the bathroom the same time you are to see if you have a shared experience. That'd be or, interesting. Yeah. But anyway, the reason we went on a, a bit of a hiatus, hiatus. Uh, Mike and I actually both went on a couple of adventures um, separately. Yours, your adventures were better than my adventures. Yeah, I had a I had an adventure. So going back a few weeks ago, I don't know if anybody remembers, but we talked about. Uh, uh, the D Glocke, which is the, yes. the the German super weapon. That's right. That was a listener request uh, by a listener called Fifty One Pan Man. That's what he goes. Oh, we by. talked about Fifty One Pan Man before. We did. Well, Fifty One Pan Man went ahead and contacted me yet again. Oh. And uh, he asked me to go on a bit of an adventure with him. You met one of our listeners in person. I did. Actually, I met two listeners. But we'll go to we'll go to Fifty One Pan Man first. Okay. Cool. So, uh, being the spontaneous and uh, you know. I live an exciting life. Yeah, I decided to take Fifty One Pan Man up on his uh, up on his offer. Hopefully, you brought some sort of protection. And I found out that he lives in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, I posted a, a picture of him uh, recently on our Facebook page. Oh, he allowed me to do that. Um, so I went out to visit Fifty One Pan Man in, the, in in God's country. God's country, Indiana. Doesn't I don't think God own all the countries. He does, but uh, I don't know. There's, there's something about being out in the plains. You know what? I've never been to Indiana. I've been to many, many states, mm. but I've not been to Indiana. It's very flat. A lot of corn. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so anyway, I went to go visit him, and there were a lot of paranormal. Uh, I don't want to say events that took place, but a lot of paranormal uh, situations, things that we discussed while we were out there. So it's rich in paranormal realities. That's correct. So it inspired me to uh, talk about my topic uh, for the day today. All right, which is going to be? It's going to be uh, something called the Monroe House, Ooh. which is a super haunted, uh, supposedly haunted uh, uh, structure in a city called Hartford City, which is in Indiana, which is not far from 
uh, where I visited 51 Pan Man. Oh, not not the James Monroe, not James Monroe, the former president. No, no, not the the creator of the Monroe Doctrine. Yes, no, and Monrovia, the capital we, we of Liberia. We won't talk about the Monroe Doctrine today. So that would I, bore everybody to tears. I didn't get a chance to go in the Monroe House, but um, I get I get to go by the Monroe House. Mm-hmm. I also, now the Monroe. I'm sorry to interrupt yeah, yeah. you, but the Monroe House is very is a famous location for supposed paranormal activity. Correct. That that is correct. Yes, it go, going back, uh, it has a, a history of extreme paranormal events going right. back many many years, and um, you know we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll also talk about what our own personal beliefs are that we may th- think mm. uh, is causing some of these issues that are going on in the home. Interesting. Um, so uh, to follow up with that, as I stated earlier, I did meet another listener. Mm-hmm. I did meet WC as well. Oh, the famous enigmatic WC. I did, and you know we had a good conversation because he. Remember how we were talking about ASMR a few weeks ago? Yes. And you told me you would never try it? That, yeah, I, th- I think I did say that. So WC told me he tried it, and now he's hooked on it. <laughs> he loves it. He does. Puts it on, he listens to Maria. Now that's the, the, the again, for those of you who didn't catch that show, that's when uh, when when you, it's like a YouTube thing where mm-hmm. you listen in and people just talk and it supposedly relaxes you. Correct. Right? Okay. But they do various, uh, various things, you know, uh, role-playing kind of things. Again, this is a family show. But you put the headphones on, it makes it makes the experience that much more fulfilling. You don't find that creepy? Like, it's somebody in the room with you? No, no. You, you'd be surprised. You'll have to try it. I don't know, man. No, I'm telling you. Anyway. Anyway. So, WC, he's quite the character as well. So, you met two of our listeners. You went on some adventures, and we're going to talk about them today. I did. And, and the most scary and paranormal event that occurred while I was gone, while I was out there, mm-hmm. was visiting a an Indiana chicken farm. Okay. And let me tell you about this. So we live in Rhode Island, which is a small state. Well, you live in Rhode Island. I live in Michigan. Oh, yeah. Well, we live nearby. Yes. People in this area have never seen a chicken farm that you've seen when you go out to the Midwest. That's correct. I've never seen a chicken farm. They There was a building that I was able to take a peek inside of. It was quite uh, interesting. It was a giant, I can't even call it a chicken coop. Because it was so huge, there were 100,000 chickens in this chicken building. Wow. And there's four of them on this property. Wow. Three or four of them. That's and a lot of chickens. What are the chickens doing in the building? They're, they're, in, they're in poultry purgatory, essentially. Oh. They're all just in these individual little uh, dividers. That's sad. And all they do is lay eggs all day. That's sad. But you go in there, and they cluck at you, and they're staring at you. Well, they're probably thinking you're coming for them. And the farmhand, every day, day, has to go in there, and he has to scoop out any dead chickens that may be I was going to say, there's probably a lot, in of, there. a lot So that's a great job. What are you, the, you're like the chicken caretaker. He cares the, for the chickens. He makes sure the in. eggs are all uh, within specs. No, when I say caretaker, I mean like the mortician. Like oh, that too. You got to pull out the. That's dead correct. One. Yeah, they have a chicken funeral. Oh, I need to discuss something with you later with regards to morticians and uh, um, an experience that I had as, as just yesterday um, with a, a man who who's straight out of central casting for a mortician or a, a horror movie uh, character. Okay, we can talk about that later. It's, it, was, it was frightening. My children were frightened. I was frightened. I had to flee the area. <laughs> so we'll talk about that, that later. That kind of sounds kind of scary. So yeah. let's get into the topic. So we, before we keep people waiting too long, yes. And special guest, Fifty One Panman, will be coming on today. What? Hopefully. All right. I'm supposed to call him here very shortly and get him on the line. Oh. And uh, we're going to do a quick interview. And the reason I'm doing that is because, along with the Monroe House, there's another uh, scary Indiana. Um, residence that's not known to many it's called grandma betty's house Ooh, that sounds like a fun place to go and grandma betty is a is a relative of 51 pan man and she's since passed on god rest her soul mm. but she lived in an old farmhouse as well and uh apparently a lot of strange goings on have occurred there oh i wonder if she made good pies because grandma betty sounds like somebody who would make a good pie. i'm sure she did but i have a picture of some demons that were uh Whoa. that were that have taken place in grandma betty's and i'll probably post those on, on our uh, website either facebook or, or twitter uh 
in the in the, in oh, the we website. Could, we on. could also tweet them out. And now would be a good time to give away that information just so in case people want to get sure, it. Sure, go ahead. So you can find us on the, on uh, Facebook and Twitter, and you can get to both of those links by our website, which is theeonproject.com. Again, theeonproject.com. Mm. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the Monroe House quickly. Sure. So the Monroe House is a is an is an older uh, home built sometime in the mid to late 1800s, I believe. And as I stated, it's in uh, a city called Hartford City, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And most recently, I think where I I actually went ahead and saw an episode of a show called Paranormal Lockdown. I've seen that show. Which I, I have, have to say, I have to be honest. <laughs> shows like that yeah. destroy the credibility yeah. of anybody doing actual paranormal research Not because. So good. Yeah. I don't know. It, it was it was outlandish. Well, they they go out of the yeah. It, it's very outlandish. It's a good word for it. It's over the top. It's uh, very sensationalistic. True. Yeah. But if you think about it, you go back to the early days of the paranormal television revolution, if you will. It's like what about fifteen years ago? Yeah. So Ghost be... Hunters what became the popular one, right. right? And if you remember some of the early episodes, I mean, they'd go through whole episodes. They wouldn't really experience much of anything. Right. They'd go back once in a while. They'd catch a uh, an. Uh, you know, an EVP. But it was very low-key. It was low-key. More realistic. And now, because, you know, everybody's on TV, everybody wants the ratings, everybody has to be over the top. And so you can't, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Well, one day we'll discuss, not today, but one day we'll discuss our dealings with uh, some paranormal folks many years ago uh, with regard to sensationalistic claims and and, uh, ginning up uh, supposed paranormal activity where there was none and so on. But not, we're not going to discuss that today. So, the Monroe House, as I said, is in uh, Hartford City, Indiana. Um, it's also known as the Demon House. And supposedly the the hauntings go back as early as the 1930s when a Belgian family lived there. Oh, those Belgians. Ah, yeah, they're, they're frightening people. Yep. Anyway. They make waffles. They do, the Belgian waffle. Oh, it's delicious. delicious. Well, you know why the Belgian waffle is so popular? Why is that? Because the Ukrainian waffle tastes like crap. Oh, what do, they, what do the Ukrainians put on for toppings, you think? Well, you know what? Dirt. Rocks, whatever mm. may be in the in the field. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, so ap- apparently, there's a neg- negativity that's attached to this house, and it's been there for close to a century now. And there's obviously been many, many theories about what is haunting the house. Is it demonic? Is it uh, is it a figment of people's imagination? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I tend to th- subscribe to a few different theories. I mean, we talked a few weeks ago about the fake haunted house that was built. Yes. Remember you mentioned that? Yes, I did. The power of suggestion, right? right? Where you go into a house and you think it's haunted. If and somebody s- tells you that it's haunted, you're going to think it's haunted. Right. So you're in a basement, you're crawling around a crawl space. Right. All of a sudden, you you know, you get your back caught on a nail that's sticking out of the floor joists and you think somebody's scratching you when in reality it's not. What would you be doing in a crawl space under somebody's house? Well, apparently there's a very infamous crawl space associated with the Monroe house. Oh. It's a little uh, dirt not not much uh, clearance, maybe six to eight inches of clearance, and people have gone in there and crawled around in there, and supposedly that is that is a lot of the the epicenter of some of the demonic activity. Yeah, but why? Okay, if you crawl around in any space underneath any home, you probably would encounter True. some sort of. <laughs> but here's the caveat: you don't want to you don't want to encounter. They found human bones in the crawl space. Oh, okay. And some other supposed ritualistic material, like somebody was trying to exercise some demons. I see. Uh, they actually had to call local authorities out to investigate to the bones well, who, that were who, found. Who found it? Was it? Uh, so the, the homeowner uh, went down there and was doing some excavating, and then they brought in a paranormal group, and they continued the excavation. Ah. Uh, when they found these bones, they found a skull and some other random bones. The paranormal group found the skull? That's, found the bones? That's correct. Wow. And okay. they, had, they, uh, they actually had to stop the investigation, call the authorities. Yeah, that would stop the investigation right there. That's true. So there's been shadowy figures seen, um, faceless shadowy figures, mind you. 
Okay. Uh, shadow people. That's a big one. You know, we, we have to do a show on shadow people. I, I had a I have a personal connection with a person who uh, relayed some tales to me about shadow people that was very uh, a very credible witness mm. and uh, some very interesting stories about about shadow people. But yeah, yeah. So and over the years, you know, especially most recently, there've been a lot of different uh, paranormal groups that have gone in there and and you know done supposed investigations and things of that sort. Um, one of the groups was so freaked out that they that they ran out of the house, couldn't come back, wouldn't come back in. Were they yelling and their the arms flailing about? They did, they, they did. Ran. They were. Uh, so apparently, there's a there's. Um, Supposedly, the spirit of a young girl that was uh, tortured or killed there. Ew. Um, and there's a conflict. There's a there's a supposed conflict between um, one of the one of the energies or spirits that are trying to escape the house, and one that's supposedly uh, you know trying to control uh, what's going on there. Where does this information come from? This is uh, various research over the years from oh. different groups, okay. um, uh, homeowners, uh, you know, firsthand accounts of things that have that have gone on there. So, hmm. um, and and. In my opinion, uh, to to go down that that road, I certainly believe in something. I certainly believe that, as we talked a few weeks ago about the conservation of energy and how energy can neither be created nor destroyed, right? Correct. So the human body is made of energy, right? Matter and energy and things of that sort. Yes. As we know, when you're alive, you're moving around. When you when you perish, when you die, when your body dies, that energy has to go somewhere. Has to be converted to something else, right? Yes, you would think. So where does it go? I'm sure that I don't know. We don't know. So the, I guess the, the plausible or, or one of the plausible explanations would be it it just maintains itself in a different form that, you know, is not observable to the to everyday normal human activity. But every once in a while, for some reason, the wires get crossed, so to speak, mm. and it comes across uh, in different ways. So in that, according to that rationale, then the energy that is, is, is being retained in a certain location may not necessarily be a... a uh, cognizant energy or a an intelligence but more of just energy right so not necessarily a ghost meaning something that is haunting you on purpose but something that just happens to be there and you just be able to happen to see it if that makes sense right right Right. Uh, i guess that would be what a residual uh effect of some kind right um but there are people that subscribe to the idea that um that these things have intelligence and that they can uh interact on their free will if you will interact with the other side which would Mm -hmm. be us um, and so, you know, certain people believe that some people think that there is a demonic or a devilish aspect to it. Um, I don't know if I, well, yeah. you know, not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other. It can be a, a, a combination of all of those things and, and many others that we don't know about. So it could be, you know, intelligently controlled, like you said, or it could be residual or it could everything. And also every case could be just different. That's true. So we don't know what, we don't know what it is. So Mike and I, a few years Going back a few years ago, a few years back, we had undertaken uh, one of these um, projects, not the Eon Project, but a paranormal investigative project. Yes. Um, and With uh, mixed results. We did have mixed results, but at the same time, and I, I claim myself to be a skeptical believer, I, did, I never had any personal firsthand accounts or experiences of any kind that would be considered paranormal up until the up point until where then. I started doing that. <laughs> And yes. not to get too specific about things, but let's just say there were there were a few instances of uh, certain events that I personally witnessed, and I can say that it wasn't a hoax, and I can say, right. per, uh, and from my own personal opinion, because I don't believe anything anybody else tells me. Right. But when I experience it for myself, and I won't say it's paranormal in nature, it was odd, and yeah. I think it could have, uh, you know, used a little more um, investigation. However, these that's what happens with these things. You know, 
it's hard to nail them down scientifically right. because they're not repeatable. You know what I mean? Well, right, and exactly, and and as case in point, so for the past what twenty twenty five years or so, and people have been doing it a lot longer than that, but for the for for the at least for the last twenty years, so many people have been investigating the paranormal using. Uh, equipment using scientific equipment and and photographic and video and everything and no one has definitive proof mm. so that mi- that must mean that it's not available there's you can't have definitive proof so going back to the Monroe house for a minute um it, it's basically the uh it's the stereotypical haunting in the sense that there's all kinds of different um, it could be a residual haunting, could be demonic uh, in nature, because there's all kinds of different things supposedly going on there. Um, unexplained fires spontaneously manifest in, manifested in the basement. Um, disembodied voices, which we all, you know, that's that's a big one too, where you're just kind of like walking around trying to interact with your environment, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you hear something, um, which Mike and I experienced uh, on one occasion. Yeah. And couldn't really explain right. uh, when we were in, in, a, in an old house. Which actually, there was a fire in that house that we were in too that yeah. that one time. But that, yeah. we'll talk more about that on a, on another show. Um, and like I said, there was different paranormal uh, teams that have gone in there, and they have had different different results over the years. But one thing that I've and through Mike and I's experience doing one of these investigations or a few of these investigations, I find like the the EVP, which is the electronic voice phenomenon. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about what that is. Sure. Good. Oh, I have to talk about it? Yeah, you can talk about it. So, for those of you who don't know, and if you're listening to this show, you probably do, but we do get new listeners all the time. So, electronic voice phenomenon would be an instance where uh, something is, when you're doing a recording, uh, usually via digital recording nowadays, used to do it on, you know, tapes and stuff, um, and you're trying to interact with a, a spirit or an entity that may be in a certain location, and you don't actually hear anything at the time of the recording, but when you're, when you replay it, uh, later and review it, you actually do get um, voices or, or uh, things that maybe voices, things, strange noises, and things like that. That's true, and and some of them, some of them are a little more distinct than others. Um, some of them you kind of really have to listen, and, and sometimes your brain will play tricks on you, and you're trying to decipher what it's saying. Right. Um, other times it can be clear as day, and and the skeptics will say that you know all it's doing is just picking up you know random radio signals from, say, some sort of broadcast, a radio broadcast or something of that sort, but. Um, Again, though, ha- having been there and done it ourselves, we can tell you that at least some of them are quite impressive because true. there's no there's a, there's no way that they could have been radio contamination because there was no electricity. I can think of one one in particular where in a home where there was no electricity, it was a vacant home and there mm-hmm. was nothing in around or nothing around it, and uh, everybody who was part of this process was was very um, cognizant of ambient noise and, and actually made it a very quiet environment so and voices did did come up on recording that were not anyone present that's that true sense. yeah and it, one of the things about about these certain these investigations and things of sort, this sort a lot of times they're very uneventful you know you go through the whole thing and then you have to go back and and right. review hours of of tape and videotape and audio recordings which which is what happens you put the headphones on you can sit there and listen to you know, an hour of nothingness just to try to find one little one little sound bite. So that's how right. you kind of know too. It's you, you're hearing silence for a long period of time, and all of a sudden something catches your attention in there for just a split second. Right. Um, and you go back and you try to analyze what what exactly that you've had there. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Go ahead. No. So 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 were there in the Monroe House during your research? Did you find any EVP evidence that was compelling or anything like that? Well, that that's the thing. I mean, if you if you go online and search. Um, 
you know, I'm sure you could probably pull up some of the evidence that some of these teams have had. Like I said, when I went and watched the the television show, I, I took that with a grain of salt because they're doing things like they'll take this box that has all these <laughs> lights and it looks like I something from the 50s. Like yeah, a, it had like tinfoil around the antenna yeah. and it had Christmas lights on it. And supposedly this was, I don't remember what they called it's it. like some, a spirit box some or something. kind of a box. Well, you know, that's another thing. And we can talk about paranormal uh, ridiculousness in another show. But that particular one was just over the top. Like you said, it was a box that supposedly can transmit informa- information from ghosts. Yeah. And not, it doesn't even they don't tell you what it's what it scientifically supposedly does. And, and not only that, they'll sit there and they'll ask it a question. Right. And then it'll it'll give the most ridiculous, like, right. not ridiculous, Random. but like a, a, a response that w- would really probably scare the poop out of you. Right. If you thought it was an actual ghost saying... Get out of here. Right. You know, and and it sounds a, like that. And you're yes. Like, Come it's, on. But it sounds so over the top, and, and yeah, it's not. I just banged the mic. Sorry about I that. I saw that. That was a paranormal event. You sure? So tying in with the Monroe house was is, was another house that I uh, got to go by um, called Grandma Betty's house. Yes. And Grandma Betty is uh, is related to 51 Pan Man, who we're going to bring on here in just a minute. All right. But supposedly, um, and I won't get too much into it, I'll let 51 Pan Man talk a little bit about it, but... There's been a lot of tragedy associated with this house, a lot of deaths, um, people that have that have had some issues there over the years. And because of that, um, you know, there's been some evidence, some like I said, there's some photographic evidence and personal experiences that have also happened in this place. And, and when you go to Indiana, it's funny because there's a lot of old farmhouses, there's right. a lot of old abandoned farmhouses and silos, and it just has a... Overall, in the countryside, it just has kind of an eerie feel to it. Never been in a silo. I'd like to go in there. Yeah, they're they're pretty cool. Yeah, you gotta be careful though. Round building. It's a round building. They used to put Put things in it. So I think what we'll do right now is um, we're gonna we'll break here for a second. We're gonna reach out to Mister Pan. We're gonna we're gonna get Pan Man on the line and uh, discuss Miss Betty, uh, uh, Grandma Grandma Betty, and any other experiences or uh, things that he knows about the supernatural and paranormal events of Indiana. All right. So we'll be back in just a second. All right, I'd like to welcome the special guest that we have on today. 51 Pan Man is here. 51 Pan Man, can you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you, gentlemen? Good. How's Pleasure. it going? Use that term loosely. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. Hey, I want to I want to uh I want to thank you very much for uh offering me offering to bring me out to Indiana and stay with you and uh, you know You stayed with him? I I did. And you know, that's that's kind of something that would be out of the norm for me because yeah. I don't really know this guy. No. I don't know him at all, actually. No. And uh, he did you did you drink all of his beverages? Because that I, sounds like something you'd do. Nope, I didn't. I didn't. But uh, uh, he took advantage of my mother's fantastic coffee making. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah, that's about right. So we had quite a series of adventures out there, and I was I was telling Mike earlier that uh, one of the scariest paranormal events I had while I was out there is when I went to that giant chicken coop, and uh, <laughs> saw, yes, saw all the little birds staring at me. Yes, they've become aware, as my father says. I, I, I he, he gets a little freaked out by the chickens. It's like, it's like you know. I wonder. I wonder if there's a if there's a, if there's a connection with a, some sort of mass consciousness where all of the chicken brains get together and and can you know they start tracking you like some sort of large amorphous uh, you know. Entity. That's true. I think that's why they keep them caged up like that. Yeah, they've grown cognizant of their of their surroundings. It's like a twisted Farside comic. That's that's for certain, Mike. 
All right, so I think we're going to talk. I think we want to talk a little bit about Grandma Betty's house. I mean, we already we already spoke a little bit about the Monroe House, but you have a personal connection to another um, historic uh, farmhouse that has had you know some tragedy associated with it, as as also in addition to some paranormal uh, events. Uh, so why don't you talk a little bit about your connection to the house and maybe some of the things that you know about it and things that you've seen there. Certainly, yeah. Um, my first uh, recollection of that house is, is staying there when I was pretty young. And uh, at that point, um, I was just terrified of the home. And I think a lot of people would assume because it's an older home and that it is, uh, you, you're a child, you're, you're just scared of that house because it's new. But, but that house really uh, made me very afraid um, and beyond what I would call just uncomfortableness. Um, as I grew older, I, I learned through the family that the home uh, had uh, ghosts or spirits, and it was never taken very seriously. Um, but as I grew older, my uh, sister began to care for a member of the family that owned the home there, and her paranormal experiences became uh, much more drastic and much more pronounced. Um, and at that point, uh, actual visible things began to occur and more serious things occurred that would, um, would certainly lend itself to the idea that the house is, uh, haunted. You know, I should preface everything too, by saying that, you know, I'm, I'm a, uh, a skeptic in a lot of ways. I, I tend to rationalize a lot of things and, uh, I'm not, uh, just about, you know, ghosts and goblins and scary things. I, I really try to, look at things and, and determine what it is from a, a, say a scientific point of view, but that house is haunted. <laughs> there's, so, there's absolutely no, no doubt about it. So you, you had mentioned something earlier, uh, just when you st- first started that when you were a youngster, young kid, you, you had some, uh, reservations about the, about the house. Did you have ex- yep. experiences or was it more of just a, like a feeling of, of just kind of, uh, foreboding or some kind of, uh, um, something like that? Well, I always thought that uh, at first it was it was just that feeling of foreboding. But uh, as I look back on it now, there was a particular room that I stayed in that was right below the attic. And in that particular room, I always felt like someone was watching me or I felt as if, um, you know, there was something there. I never, never saw anything. Uh, I don't even recall hearing anything. Uh, other family members have seen manifestations, but I personally didn't experience anything at that level. Um, but I just know, I, it just always seemed like there was somebody in the room with me. You know, I was just really afraid that at any minute something was going to get me if that, if that makes sense. And I mean, I wasn't a small child. I was probably 11, 12 years old. So, uh, you know, I, I sort of realized that I was almost a little bit beyond the monster under the bed sort of thing, if that makes sense to you. So it just really made me feel very uncomfortable being so let, in that home. Let me ask you this. Do you know anything about the history of the home itself and any tragedies that may have occurred there I that do. could possibly lend itself to uh, any kind of haunting-type activity? Uh, certainly. Um, there's a few things I know about the home. Um, I do know that uh, it was uh, a relative of mine. It would have been my great-great-grandfather was a doctor, um, and that home was part of his practice. Um, and I know that they've, uh, had patients that have, uh, 
suffered there. Uh, I don't know specifically if any of his patients passed there. I do know that they had funerals in the home because uh, in the town, as you know, Jay, uh, you've seen it, it's very small. Uh, it was a very prominent home in that small town, and uh, a lot of times other people use that home as a place to uh, have funerals. So uh, in that respect, there's there's been that presence there. Um, one of the most tragic things that happened there would be uh, my uh, – I believe he'd be like a great uncle. Uh, he would be my grandfather's sister's husband, uh, had a tragic accident in the front yard while uh, working with a utility tractor and the tractor actually flipped and killed him. And I remember that uh, vividly because I was in my early teens when that occurred. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also a a railroad track that, you know, is back behind the home and uh, just back behind the home, a rail uh, railroad worker was pinned between two rail cars and killed. Um, That's a way to go. So there is that. Yeah, no, and, and and it's my understanding that he was alive until the point where the rail cars were pulled apart, and at that point he passed. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's nasty. <laughs> so it's and it, that that's a that's a well known documented uh, accident, and uh, in conjunction to the property, it's literally walking distance through the woods. That's that's behind the home. So, so it's so, it's not out of the realm of possibility that that particular incident obviously a tragic one and, and a lot of and one of the theories is that the more tragic the incident the more likely that there'll be a residual energy so i mean that that energy could have attached itself to the property which is obviously nearby certainly and you know there's a lot of uh, without without airing uh my family's dirty laundry by any means there's there's a history of of uh let's call it you know discontent with family members that have resided there for a long time personal problems uh other types of issues so the home is always uh occupants of that home have always had struggles uh later in as they live you know not passing but just continuing on in their life well it's funny you mentioned that because and this actually came up in one of our previous episodes is that if 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 there is such an energy or an, an, an oppressive energy or a demonic or some sort of negative energy, it it can manifest itself as far as uh, having an overall depressing effect on people's lives, uh, on their on their personal relationships, on their attitudes, on their health, and things like that. And and it's 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 uh, very interesting that you mentioned that, Mike, because uh, you know these these family members that I'm referring to, they've they've really tragically struggled um in very tragic ways and it's something that uh it almost seems like boy that's a lot for somebody right. you know and uh definitely out of the realm of normal and and obviously so, uh, aside from aside from the documented incidents of of death and tragedy i mean we all know that what sometimes what goes on in the home is left unsaid or unknown to people outside the home right. so there could be they could have over the course of the history of the house it could have been Many a thing going on in there, uh, different negative energies that attached itself that most people would never even have realized. Well, and it's interesting that, you know, the people that we know that have been in the home for a long time um, or have cared for people there in the home have experienced things that are more uh, visual and, and, uh, you know, auditory those things, you know, I know about because I'm a family member, but they're not documented. Mm-hmm. So, have you personally I mean, had recently, or within the as an as a as an adult, had any 
Any incidents there that you know of personally that you've that you've witnessed or certainly yeah yes uh, um, most recently uh, my uh, my sister and my ex-wife were there uh, and we were we were in the driveway and we were conversing with my sister and um, my ex-wife and my sister looked up at the upstairs window, which you've seen. It's, it's kind of a, it's, it almost looks like a castle tower. It's an old Victorian home. And at that third level of that, that circular tower, there's a window towards the attic and uh, the curtain moved. And it, it was as if someone had pulled the curtain aside and released it. And, uh, I was standing right there. Uh, my wife at the time, she swore and said, hey, did you just see that? And my sister saw it. And so there is clearly uh, something there. Um, there's some photographs that I'm, I would, I'm going to provide to you guys that have some very interesting features in them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember, Jay, when I initiated this with you, I sent you the one photograph and said, hey, just just look at this and see if you see anything. Right. And you responded, but you responded back and said, Oh yeah, I, I see it. And I didn't tell you anything about the photograph. I just provided it to you and, and let you look at it. Uh, for your information, Mike, I don't believe you've seen the photograph, but there's visual manifestations in, in the photograph. The photograph was taken uh, by the County surveying department when they do the property tax assessment. And it was posted on the website about the home and uh, it was discovered by accident, but there's there's visual manifestations in the windows and, and so forth that you can see. Yeah, it seems like that's that's interesting because I know just knowing what I know of the paranormal and, and it, it seems like that's a common thing when when people take photographs of the exterior of homes. A lot of times things appear in windows and, and I, I wonder what that is. I wonder what the, what the 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 reason for that is other than whatever is in the home is interested in why you're taking pictures of it or something along those lines. Well, and, and that's kind of what I wonder. I wonder if it's a, if it's saying, "Hey, we're here." You know what I mean? Or right. you know, I mean, you, you wonder because you, you know why can you drive by that house? I've drove by it on countless occasions, and in my mind, I'm thinking, "Oh, I'm going to see something," right. and I never do. Right? You know, so so it's it's it, in a way, I think it's interesting that when you do tend to see things, or when I've talked to people that have observed things, they're not expecting it at the time. You know, mm-hmm. they're not going into it with the idea that. Uh, I'm going to see something. Right. So uh, my sister who stayed there um, for an extended period of time, uh, I don't know how much time you have on the show for me to re- uh, relay some of this other information. Oh, keep but, going. You're good. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, she experienced some very, uh, very troubling things. The culmination of that was is, is she believes that she was actually physically touched by uh, by something. And, uh, at that point she discontinued, uh, going to the home and staying overnight. Mm-hmm. She would stay there during the day to assist medically with my, with my great aunt. But after that, she would no longer stay in the home. Um, but all this culminated, uh, through a period of additional photographs. I have a photograph actually, that's very troubling, uh, that my sister took in this is when with social media being what it is, you know, people take pictures now and send them to people and things like that. And they, and they don't really look at the photograph, you know what I mean? And right. you know, they don't realize it until later. And this was the instance here. She had taken a photograph of my nephew who was sitting on the couch at that home reading. And in the background, there's a very visible troubling entity. I, I mean, it, 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 uh, it, it initially, I mean, sort of creeps me out talking about it, but it, 
it, it almost looks photoshopped. It's it's so bad. So I, you I, know, it, it's really. I think what we should do is, and like you said, you still have uh, these these photographs. You know, you could if you could get them I to do. me, send them to you know, email them to me, and I'll. I'll take a look, and with your permission, I'd like to repost them, you know, via some of our our social media sites here, so people can take a look at them. Have, has That'd it... be fantastic. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to get the opinion of other other listeners as well, yeah. because you know, like I said, I'm I'm clearly uh, a, a believing skeptic, if that makes sense. I'm certainly not arrogant enough to assume that there's things out there that I don't understand, but I and still have a hard time wrapping my mind around the whole scooby-doo paranormal if that makes sense no that makes sense so, to me. Uh, you know I, I i definitely know that there are things out there that we can't comprehend uh so i would be interested in in knowing what a listener thinks you know they maybe they look at that picture and say uh you know oh no that's fake that's a you know a problem with the pixels and the you know i know this because i'm a photography expert that'd be fine you know, but I I tend to believe that most people would look at the the stuff and say I can't explain that. Well, like in the, before um, before you came on the show, uh, Jay was actually talking about some some uh, photographs and things like that, and and his point was was applicable to what you're saying. So if you take the photograph and and you know that there was nothing there, or you know where the photograph came from, and, and no one is trying to play a hoax on you, then then that's it's evidence to you. But to most people. They automatically think that it's made up, or that that you've that you've manipulated Certainly. the photograph somehow. Certainly, yeah, and 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 that's you know with these photographs when they were sent to me uh, by my sister, I I looked at them and I thought those are fake. There's no way those are real. Mm -hmm. And but then when I when I talked to her subsequently, she was she was uh, she was troubled, um, very troubled by it. And you know people that are very skeptical in my family, uh, including my parents, um, are now believers that there's something, something wrong with the home. Uh, my, my family went there to visit my great aunt as she was sick and actually took a local pastor there to, uh, pray with her. We're a religious family, very, very devout Christian family. And we, this pastor was troubled by it. He he made the statement that he had never been in a place that was so oppressive to him. Wow! And uh, yeah, yeah, he made he 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 made the, uh, the 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 analogy that he felt like he was walking through cobwebs when he when he uh, broke the threshold of the door. Now, my so, my next question uh, to you actually was: Has there has there been any attempts to to either perform any type of cleansing ritual or conduct an investigation, a further investigation using uh, you know scientific um, uh, equipment. Has there been any well, type of investigation or, or cleansing? He, here's an interesting caveat to, to all of that is that after this happened, my sister approached the, with the pastor coming to visit. Um, and my sister had been sharing with, with the family and this pastor that, you know, she felt, you know, a very dreadful, bad presence there. So the question was, uh, was uh, given you know, approached to my aunt. My mother was there for this, and and Jay knows my mother uh, from this this last visit, and he knows uh, the type of person she is. She works for the state. She's an investigator, um, so she's very she's she's as skeptical as skeptical can be. Very and, very grounded uh, grounded was, person in reality. She is, and and she was present for this conversation with my great aunt, 
And my sister said, well, you know, we'd like to maybe have a pastor come here and, you know, pray for the house. And she tried to approach it delicately uh, because in the family, it's sort of a it's sort of a taboo topic to talk about the home in a negative light. Everybody will agree that the home is 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 haunted, but everybody says, well, they're happy spirits or good spirits. And my personal belief is there is no such thing. <laughs> but but that's that's my that's my opinion. Right. Um but during this conversation, uh, my aunt grew extremely irritated and angry, and uh, which is totally uncharacteristic for her. She one was one of the most gentle souls I've ever met, and she became extremely angry and made the comment that if there's anything here, it is welcome to stay. I like it. Hmm. And that is, you know, a, a paraphrase. I don't know the exact quote, but that was pretty pretty close to what she said. Hmm. And everybody was really taken back by that, you know. I, I almost equate uh, it. Yeah, I almost equate it to, uh, and this may be a, a strange analogy, but almost like a uh, like a domestic violence situation where the, the the husband is the abuser and the wife, and they they just become so. You know, the the average everyday person would think, well, how could a person stay in a place it's like, like a that? Dysfunctional relationship. Exactly, that right. the person is being abused over and over again, but they are so uh, it's such a symbiotic relationship that right. they that they would never turn on the husband, and that they almost like have become used to living in that kind of environment. I would say that'd probably be kind of a similar scenario, except a uh, a paranormal aspect or a par- paranormal version of that where. The person has become so used to and loves the home so much and that has become used to the the different uh, entities that have attached itself to the home that they that they just have lived with it for, for so long and that they just want it to be a part of their lives. Well, and it, it's funny because I don't know how much, you know, uh, credit to, to lend to some of these statements, but, but my aunt had made the comment uh, before that there was a little girl there that brought her flowers, you know, and we don't have any girls in our family, you know, it's, it's, it's all boys, you know? So there's my son who is 16. uh, Jay had the pleasure of meeting him. Uh, He adamantly refuses to even drive into the driveway. He's been to the home when he was young. He went with, uh, he went with family members there to visit my great aunt and, and he won't go back. Hmm. So, you know, there's certainly a, and he's and interestingly enough, he's he is interested in the paranormal. You guys spoke about the Monroe House. Um, you know that is literally twenty twenty miles from from my home here, and you know the rumors of that place have circulated throughout this area. And uh, you know he he wants to buy it and check it out. That's the Monroe House, mm-hmm. you know. But he, he but he doesn't want to go anywhere near this other home. One of, one of them's so, too personal. That's know, that's what it is. I'm sure. Well, I'm sorry, Mike. I, I didn't. Oh, get I, that said, part. I said one of one of it. One of them is too personal. He, he doesn't want to go into the home that that he's connected. Yeah, he's connected yeah, to. and 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 that's that's probably the reality of it. Is that you know you can drive by the Monroe House and see it right from the street. You know, which I'd be happy to provide you with some photographs of that as well if you'd like to see it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's stuff on the there's quite a bit of stuff on the internet, but you know, I mean, I can provide those to you firsthand from me. Does but, does, um, does someone live in the home now? Is it occupied? No, no, no. The home is unoccupied, um, and I'm I'm not an expert on that home in any way. But I do know from you know a lot of people that now the the current owner is thinking about turning it into an attraction. Obviously, with with all the paranormal uh, things going on uh, in today, you know, it, now I think he's 
seen that it could possibly be, uh, you know, some source of, of recouping his loss on the home right. because it's been empty for, for 10 years. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't know the true history of that home. But, uh, you know, the the documentation of the of the human remains being found in there is is accurate. Uh, that was publicized locally. I mean, they, uh, Jay and I share uh, similarity in our, our professions and, you know, that stuff is verifiable. So, you know, it, it's it's clear that that those those bones were there. So that's that's the Monroe house you're referring to. As far as Grandma Betty's house is yeah. concerned, is yeah. is the home is that particular home occupied or is it who who owns it now and is there anybody living there? It's still it's still in the family. Mm-hmm. Um and since my great aunt passed, the home was was passed on to her grandchildren. Um they don't live locally. They they come recently, you know, here and there. Um, prior to you coming, Jay, we had discussed the possibility of going to the home. You remember that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but unfortunately, Mike, I don't know if you're aware, there was a, a burglary uh, in the home just a week before Jay arrived here. He'd already made his flight arrangements and was on his way here. It but wasn't him, was it? The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me <laughs> from what I know of him now. I, I wouldn't certainly be shocked. Uh, but no, uh, and even that just seems sort of odd to me. Right. You know, that, that, you know, the home was burglarized and it was damaged inside and that's never happened. That home's the, you, the town that we live in, it's, uh, you know, you know, everybody and it, you don't lock your, your house. Uh, as a matter of fact, Jay would regularly take the keys out of my vehicle when we would stop places because I just leave them in the ignition here. <laughs> you know, it, it, you know it, so it's, it's, that's the kind of mentality we have out here in the Midwest. And, uh, it's interesting that that home was burglarized just prior to Jay's arrival. So just just to kind of wrap things up here, and uh, obviously we appreciate yeah. your time and your information on this. Certainly. Um, so ju- just quickly, your your own personal belief, you think there's something going on there. Uh, it just hasn't been – it needs to be, I think, investigated a little bit further, I, I would guess, from your from your opinion. And also, um, when, you get, when you get a chance, just uh, you know, send me those pictures and things, and, uh, and I'll, get them, I'll get them posted. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's brief summary. You know, personally, my belief, I think there's there's something demonic about the home, um, just based on the, the level of fear and some of the incidents that have occurred, the aggressiveness of it. Uh, I mean, I, I've done some research now. I know a little bit about poltergeists. You know, it's certainly a malevolent thing. Uh, it sort of uh, establishes itself as as passive and subtle at first, but once, once things began to pick up for the people that firsthand, you know, uh, were there or experienced things, it became malevolent. It it became Mm -hmm. dangerous at that point. So, uh, certainly whatever's there, I don't think is, is Casper the friendly ghost. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, something there is bad. Uh, there's no question that there's tragedy around the home. Uh, so, I, I tend to believe, as you stated earlier, Jay, that that the the, the impact of of those tragedies have have become a conduit there, and and it's sort of you know resonating out to the say the spirit world. All right, well that's uh, awesome. Well, we appreciate your uh, definitely firsthand knowledge and, and uh, accounts of of what's going on over there, and uh, we'll we'll definitely we'll Anytime. stay in touch, and hopefully maybe someday we can make another trek out there, and if the home is still in the family, I, maybe. I would, participate in some sort Absolutely. of uh, investigation there. That sounds great. I'd be happy to, to host both of you. Thank you for right. coming out. It, 
it was a it was a pleasure having you, and I really enjoyed the time. All right, thanks, buddy. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, thanks again to uh, Fifty One Pan Man and his uh, wealth of knowledge out there. You know, I was impressed with Pan Man uh, just because he's he obviously very well spoken, mm. uh, knows a little bit about uh, not a little, he probably knows more than we do. Is, is probably what the yeah no that was uh, that was good he everything flowed I think relatively well there and uh, you know like we said we're gonna get those hopefully we'll get those pictures we'll get them sent to, uh, yeah. put up and everybody can kind of make their own opinion as to what they're what they're observing there all right well the next part of the show is gonna be uh, focused on uh, my topic of the day Ooh. which is uh, the Dybbuk box the Dybbuk box now yes. is this something that uh, that you may find at an adult entertainment store? No, but oh. that's a good guess. But before I get to the Dybbuk box, I want to relay a funny story that happened to me okay. this past week. Yeah. So, uh, as you know, for my for my job, my uh, my job that actually pays me, not th- not this job, which does not pay. No, it doesn't. Maybe it, someday it may in the future. Hopefully. Um, but I do, do a lot of traveling. So, uh, I spend a lot of time, you know, traveling around in hotels and whatnot. Uh, and for some reason, and uh, this is another unexplained mystery, unexplainable to me. I keep getting assigned handicap rooms in in uh, hotels. You're getting assigned the handicap yeah. room. Yeah. So, okay. and it's not something that I request or anything. Right. And I'm wondering if there are uh, something about me, my personal visage. So you think they look at you? They and look they think at me. There's something wrong with this guy. And they think there's something wrong with me. And they give me the handicap room. Hmm. So I don't understand what that is. So what makes the room any different than a well, normal room? That's a great question because that's that's what I'm going to talk about. So the handicap room is obviously it's ADA compliant. You know, Americans with Disabilities Act. Sure. Um, so the doors are wider and things like that. The doors are wider, yeah. They make sure that, you know, if you're in a wheelchair or whatever, which I'm not. Mm. But maybe uh, maybe someone thinks that I should be because mm. I keep getting assigned these rooms. So the, the most glaring of the uh, differences is in the bathroom, as many of our topics were. Re- is it a to low toilet? Uh, it is slightly lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a bar on the side the of safety the safety bar. Safety, so you can lift yourself up and off the toilet. Correct. However... Well, there's two things. Number mm. one, there's a phone right next to the toilet for some reason. Emergency phone. So I have to imagine if you're stuck on the toilet, you can't get out, you can pick up the phone and call someone. You know, uh, quickly, uh, when I was a child, we, we visited a family friend in Florida, and they I thought this was the coolest thing that I'd ever seen as in my life. Yeah. In their regular home, in their regular bathroom, they literally had a phone on the wall. Yeah. So you could answer it and you make phone calls <laughs> while using the toilet. That just means that they go to the bathroom That was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. But anyway, so besides the phone next to the toilet... Uh, the shower facility in this particular one. So there's, they have like a, you know, you know what a zero entry pool is. Yeah, yeah. You, you, know, you just kind of roll yourself into the pool. Yeah, like there's the... no, there's no like um, steps to go down or anything. Like right. That. You just kind of right. gradually. So they have that in the in the shower. So it's there's not actually a stall. It's like a, a the, the the floor is sloped slightly. So it's like a wheelchair ramp into the shower. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So I was all excited about this because there's no. Um, you know, there's no divider. You can just go in the shower, and, and, and you don't have to step over things because mm. I'm very lazy. Mm-hmm. But this particular shower, handicapped shower, had a normal shower head, and then also off to the side, a removable shower like head. Like a wand. Like a wand, but it was a completely separate um, uh, faucet. It, yeah. So, so you, you know, you could be taking a shower with the regular shower head. And then you could also turn on the wand. Simultaneously. Simultaneously. So Ooh. I was very excited. So I had to try it as an experiment. So this is what I did. So in the shower, mm. this is a family show, so I'll get into you know more specific details about what I was doing in the shower. However, I came up with the idea of trying to create weather phenomenon in my bathroom. Oh. So what I did was this. I turned the main shower head as hot as it could possibly be. Yep. And then I turned the removable wand shower head 
to as cold oh, as so it can you can, you can operate them independently, temperature Yes, they wise. operate independently. Oh, so I, you're going to create a vortex I, in the shower. This is exactly what I tried doing. Yeah. So I had the hot, air, I had the hot, uh, hot water, the cold water. They were both hitting me simultaneously. I didn't know if I should be hot or cold, but I can tell you that the experience was invigorating. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was dancing around in there like some sort of fool. <laughs> and I was hoping to create clouds hmm. because, you know, when or, or a thunderstorm in my bathroom. I see. Uh, alas, no thunderstorm was created. Not not in the shower. No, not in the bathroom. Maybe on the handicapped toilet earlier. Yes, but so it, the shower experiment failed, but I did have a good time with myself. You did, and you uh, you enjoyed that. And you know, I and, and the whole time I was doing it, I said, I'm going to tell everybody on the show. <laughs> you just bumped the mic again. I did, sorry. I, I'm going to tell everybody on the show about my experience in the shower. And I'm sure that they they were sitting on the edge of their seats, riveted by this. The I thought of Mike naked in the yes. shower creating a thunder, uh, uh, creating, a self-induced create. thunderstorm in a, in a hotel shower. Now, what would you have done? If you created some sort of wormhole, well, uh, I was afraid it was like sucking the hotel in upon itself. Well, you know, I'd be the first to go because I was at the epicenter of it, mm. so I wouldn't have been able to, you know, warn anyone. I would just go right into the wormhole. What, what if, what if there was some sort of other uh, malfunction, and you had to, you had to, you, you were, you were about to drown of some or something, uh-huh. and you had to run out of the hotel How am I room drown naked. in the shower. Well, I don't know. Um, maybe it was a paranormal. No, but event. that's a, that's a fear that I have of another thing is is uh, when I'm shaving. I have to shave really fast because I don't want my, half my shave, half my face shaven mm. in case there's an earthquake or something happens and I got to run out. Then I'm gonna have half a shaven face as I run, run and and avoid you know falling bridges and. Stuff. You're not one of these guys that shaves completely naked, are you? Like shave no. your face naked? No, no, no. I wouldn't do that. That's weird. No, people do that. They do. I've no. seen it. Anyway, we're gonna talk about the Dybbuk box now. Let's do it. So uh, I'm gonna explain what a Dybbuk box is in a little bit, and this is actually a very it's a fascinating tale. Um, and you have to stay with me because it's 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 not it's not a complicated tale to, to follow. However, there's a couple of different moving parts to it. It's actually an interesting story about the paranormal, uh, and it, it has ties to the uh, the information age as well. Mm. So, my question to you is this, Jason: Can objects be haunted? Or uh, like an inanimate object? An object, yes. I don't believe so, in my personal opinion. Okay. So, is it possible that spirits can 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 attach themselves to objects? And by possessing the objects, people can be haunted or cursed as well. You're asking me? I'm asking you. No. I'm asking your opinion. I don't think so. Well, history's full of tales of people claiming that the objects can be possessed with certain powers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we even mentioned a couple of them on the show previously. The Holy Grail, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, the Spear of Destiny, so on and so forth. And by possessing these objects, it's said that you can receive certain powers, right? We've talked about this before. Yep. So... If items can bestow powers on people, wouldn't it stand to reason that they can also curse people? That would make sense if right? you believe in that, sure. So we're going to focus on a specific claim uh, of a chain of events related to an antique wine box oh. that we're going to discuss. It's like a, let's say a wine box. People don't know what that is. So it's like a... Like a like a, like a boxed wine with a little, the thing with a little tap on it? No, but those boxed wine is delicious and a good value. You know, people make fun of the boxed wine, but you know what? You get a lot out of it. Yeah, and it lasts a long time. It does last. And a long then when time. you're done with it, you can when the bag is empty, you can open the box, take the bag out, the bladder that's in there, the bladder. and you can inflate the bladder, and make a pillow out of it. That's a great. You know what? Survival tip. Winos can can take a take a page from you. Yep. So anyway, so the wine box here that we're discussing is a, is is an antique box uh, with a um, two doors that kind of fold outwards, and mm. it was designed to hold a bottle or two of wine. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day. You would have had this in your your dining room or something along those. I don't know who would have. I never had a wine box. No, like that. Not However, fancy enough. So the story begins in Portland, Oregon, or is it Oregon or it's, Oregon? It, you know, I always said Oregon, but I knew a kid that was from Oregon. They say Oregon. And he said Oregon. Yeah, you can't I, say Oregon. No, 
Okay. You say Oregon. So it begins with an estate sale. You know what an estate sale is? Yeah, somebody passes away and they're trying to sell off the items in yeah. the home. When yeah. I hear estate sale, I think of like Versailles, like an estate ah. where you go in this manicured lawns. Like if and I you passed away, we, we'd have an estate sale here, but this isn't really an this estate. This isn't really an estate. This no, is it's just more a of a, uh, it's a hovel. What a real estate sale, uh, I'm sorry, a real, not real estate, a real estate oh, sale. Yep. It's just like, you know, somebody, like you said, somebody dies and you go and buy all their crap because they usually have a bunch of crap lying around. So this guy. Uh, he owned a furniture refinishing business, and so obviously he went to state, estate sales a lot because he, that's where he got his inventory and mm. stuff. So he goes to the home of a woman who just died at the age of 103. Whoa! So that's pretty old. A great great excuse me, a great granddaughter was there of this person and explained that the woman was a Polish immigrant that had that had survived a Nazi concentration camp and came to the United States after the war after hiding out in Spain for a time. So uh, a, a persecuted Jewish woman mm-hmm. from from Poland. Uh, and so he, that, that's who owned the home. So the item of interest to the dealer was this small ornamental wine box. Like I just, uh, just described. So the great, uh, he buys the thing. He mm. paid, it didn't really say that the research doesn't really say how much he paid for it. It doesn't really matter. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot of money, but the great granddaughter, he was walking out of the estate sale and she goes, Oh, you got the Dybbuk box. Oh. And he goes, what, what is the Dybbuk box? And she just says, Oh, well, that's the great grandmother had it. And she always kept it in her sewing room. Uh, and out of reach of, of people. Like, it was always up high on a shelf. And she never opened it. And she said, she called it the Dybbuk box. And she said, the box, she told everybody the box should never be opened. And that her final request was that it be buried with her. They didn't bury the box with her. Uh-oh. And instead, they sold it to this dude. And trouble ensued. Right. Right. You can see, it sounds like a movie, right? It I'm waiting like for a, the punchline, but there's it's There's no punchline. This is, yeah, this is, this is, supposedly this is true. And this is verified by a few different people. So unless there's a, a major conspiracy between people going on, this this may have some some truth to it. Mm-hmm. So obviously the the guy felt bad, and the great grandmother had just died, so he offered to give the box back to the to the great granddaughter. She said she got really upset. And she said, "You bought it, you made a deal, you got to take it." Okay. So that should be a warning sign number one. Yeah, they right? want to get rid of that thing. They don't want it. So the guy took the box and he puts it in the basement of his business, and he was intending to refinish it later and maybe give it as a gift or sell it in his shop. So he leaves the shop to do some errands. This just happened. So he just bought it. He lives it in his basement mm. of, of the shop. 30 minutes later, he receives a frantic phone call from one of his employees that there's an intruder in the basement breaking things and swearing. So he, and, and that the employee was locked in the shop and couldn't get out. Whoa. Supposedly, she couldn't open the door. She couldn't get out. So he rushes over there and he finds the employee uh, in the fetal position in a corner crying. So he goes downstairs and immediately he smells a strong odor of cat urine. Which you know, cat urine has a very distinct. Very distinct. I've been in a few homes with uh, a lot of cats, and it's not. Yes, it's not pleasant. Not a pleasant smell. Um, and the breaking sound was all of the lights in the basement were broken, and they were all over the floor. All the light bulbs had broken, fluorescent lights and incandescent so lights. So they, they like exploded. Yeah, somehow. all the lights were broken. Um, but there was obviously there was no sign of a an intruder. Um, so the, he goes upstairs. The employee had left and never came back, and wouldn't discuss what happened. Well, that that, that sounds reasonable. Well, yeah, if that happened to you, you probably wouldn't want to come back no, to the shop. No, definitely either, not. Right? No. So the guy the guy decides he's going to give the box to his mom, which, oh, you know, that's a great idea, right? He must not like his mom. Well, he didn't know that there was these events. So were... he's not in, uh, he's not uh, attributing it to the box No, at this he hadn't point. done that at this point. He okay. just figured out it was a weird incident or whatever. So he decides he's going to give the box to his mom. Um, she comes over and, and, and to the house or whatever the case may be. He gives her the box, and he, he goes outside to make a phone call. Again, this guy leaves a lot to go do things. Yeah. And when he leaves, things happen. So he comes back, and the mom is catatonic. Oh. She's just sitting there, staring straight ahead, and she ha- she had a stroke. 
right after he gave her the box. Okay. okay. So they rush her to the hospital. She's unable to talk for a few days, um, but she's able to write. So she was communicating via, you know, pen and paper. So the, the, the kid shows up, the, the man shows up to ask how his mom's doing, and she writes, hate gift down. Hate gift. Hate gift. Like That's all she said. Like she hates the gift Correct. that was given to her, this demonic box. Demonic box. Well, it's starting to sound like it is. Yeah. Right? So now the guy says, okay, maybe this has something to do with the box. So now, wait a minute. Did you did you say that there's anything in this box? I'm no, sorry there was nothing in it. Oh, I'm it, sorry. Yes. I did not mention it. There was a couple of small items in there. There was like a a, a, a cup, like, ah. a, like a, a metallic cup. Like a little goblet? Yeah. And like a... Uh, like, um, there was a little candlestick, but there was nothing. No, no bottle of no, demonic wine. No, 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 no. There okay. was just there was nothing of, of. Imagine if you drank the demonic wine. That well, there was, was no in the wine. Box. There's no wine. Well, if in there the box. was wine, that'd yeah, be I'd, that'd I'd be probably, bad. I'd drink it. Yeah, you would. I would. Anyway, so the guy decides he's going to get rid of the box at this point. So this is now this is in his words, because this is this is actually where it, it becomes um, in the internet age. Mm-hmm. This this story. So the guy tries to get rid of the box. So he gave the cabinet to his sister. Um, and she kept it for a week, and then she gave it back, and she complained that she couldn't get the doors of the thing to stay closed. They kept coming open, even though there's no springs in the mechanism to open the doors automatically. They're just, you know, little wooden doors. Mm-hmm. So he he gave it to his brother and his wife, who kept it for three days, and then gave it back. The brother said it smelled like jasmine flowers, while his wife insisted that it put out an odor of cat urine. Again, one person says it smells great. One person says it smells like cat piss. Hmm. Okay. So he gives the guy gives it to his girlfriend. So this is this is a nice guy, right? He's got a he's got a box, and now he, he's got to know something's going on now. Right, he keeps so, giving it to people. Well, he gives it to his girlfriend. That's a nice. That's how nice of he is. And then uh, the girlfriend asks if she she tries to give it back after two days. She says you need to get rid of this thing. So they sold it the same day in the shop to a couple. Three days later, the shop the, the guy shows up at his shop, and the box is sitting on the front door. At the front doorstep with a note that says, this is a bad darkness. Oh. And they gave it back. So what would they you They didn't do even with- want a refund. No, they just gave it back. They said... Well, you know what this story reminds me of? What's that? That episode of the Brady Bunch when they went to Hawaii. Oh, yeah. And the they Kali had the, cur- the cursed amulet or whatever that was. It was a rock. It was a volcanic rock. Was it a rock? I thought it was a necklace. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You're right. Necklace. It was an idol. Yeah, and I, oh, an idol, yeah. And then somebody went sh- uh, surfing, and then they fell or something. Yeah, and there was a tarantula that was running rampant in the <laughs> yes, hotel room. I remember yeah, it's cursed. Anyway, so... The guy decides he's going to take it home, which I wouldn't take it home at this point. Would you? No. Would you take it home? No. So he starts having these weird dreams, and it's the same dream every time where he's walking with a friend. The friends differ, but he's walking with a friend, and then he looks at the friend, and then all of a sudden it's transformed from their friend into a horrible-looking hag, like an old old woman, an old hag, demonic-looking. And then the, the hag proceeds to beat him, in the dream, just beating beating them up and stuff. That actually like that. happened to me one time when I had real too life, many though. adult beverages, <laughs> and I woke up and was beaten by a hag. Right. So then, the the strange thing is that when he wakes up, he would have marks on him consistent with where the hag was beating him in his dream. Oh, so it manifested in, in into reality. Right. So then, relatives who stayed at the home reported having the same dream mm-hmm. without him giving information about the dream. So supposedly, you know, this is a way that this whatever spirit is in the box is is now you know. It's manifesting. It's itself. affecting others. Yeah. Right. So anyway, the guy does what every person nowadays does when they want to sell something. He goes on eBay. Oh. And he's going to sell the box on eBay. But what makes this interesting is that he puts all of this information on his eBay listing. You probably would have been better selling it on Craigslist. No, no strings attached. <laughs> right. So he goes on eBay. He gives this whole provenance of mm. the uh, of the box and explains all this stuff. Now, 
My question to you is, is this a real story? Because I'm not done with it. It mm. actually gets a little bit funnier. Not funnier, but weirder. So do you think he made all this stuff up about the box to put some sort of value sound, on, on, a, on a worthless antique? That sounds about right to me. And, right. That, and that's pretty – it's brilliant in that, in that sure. regard if he ended up selling it and making some money on it. So here's what happened. So he sells it, he sells it on eBay. A college student bought it. Uh, actually, in Indiana, I believe. Oh. The, 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 the guy was from Indiana. And uh, the, the college student gets it in the mail and then all, all of a sudden starts having electronic issues. Uh, all of his electronics don't work. Everything's misfiring and everything. Bad smells coming from the from the box, and so he does what another another anybody else in the information age would do. He starts a blog about the experiences with the box. I see. So now you have a blog that's going, perhaps to gain publicity or perhaps drive up the value of mm. the box that he got because he's ta- he's just building on the the previous story, right? Yep. So. A local, and I promise this is almost done. <laughs> so a local museum owner found the blog and was following it, and he offered to buy the box from the student. So he did, and he paid twice as much as the kid paid for it. So this thing is probably doubled, tripled That's in value. That's the ultimate curse right there. In this, <laughs> A worthless box right. that keeps making money. Keeps making money. So the local museum owner buys it, and then he starts reporting strange illnesses, strange smells. He saw black figure, black uh, uh, figures roaming the home, shadow figures. Um, and obviously he's now he's curious about where this box came from. So he tracks down the original guy, the original furniture guy who bought the thing, contacts him and he asks him some questions. So at this point, the, the original furniture guy goes back to the home where he bought it at the estate sale. Mm. Again, this sounds like a movie, right? So he goes back to the, to the house and he finds living in the home now is this, this dead woman's cousin who was so, alive, who is alive. Okay. Yes. So she's alive. And she explains that back in Poland, prior to World War II, uh, the woman and the cousin, the old woman and the cousin, started dabbling in the occult. This is how these stories start, right? So they didn't have much to do. Uh, Poland was very bleak at the time. Not right. a whole lot going on. So nope. they decided they're going to get involved in the occult, witchcraft and uh, things of that sort. So they make a spirit board, like a, like a Ouija board, like a homemade one. And they begin communicating with spirits. Evidently, they went too far, and they contacted an evil spirit known as a dibbik, which is a Yiddish word meaning an evil spirit that can possess the living. That's where the term dibbik ah, comes see. from. And that's why the grandmother called it a dibbik. Kind of like a succubus. Right. So um, they contacted this thing, this dibbik, and the dibbik communicated that it wanted to come across into our world. And the girls were in over their heads, and they had actually summoned this thing from mm. the other side. And they they realized that they had made a mistake, and they performed a magical ritual, and they trapped it in this box, supposedly. Oh, kind of like uh, from Ghostbusters when they trapped the, yes. the ghost in that little uh, box. What That's was that right. thing called? You remember that? The trap. The, the trap? I don't remember what the, this was an actual term And then it caused, it. A, it caused a chain reaction at, at the uh, headquarters. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And they made him shut the yes, power that, down. That mean guy from the, the EPA came in and Yeah, he, that guy's mean down. in every movie. He is. He's a great jerk. He's probably dead now. Why would they shut that thing down? Look at what kind of havoc it caused. they wouldn't have had a movie if they didn't oh, do that. That's true. So anyway... So they trapped this evil spirit in the Dybbuk box, um, supposedly, and that's why it's causing all this trouble. Mm -hmm. So the museum owner does what you and I would do, which is create a box to put the box in. Oh, a box to to contain the box. Yes. He he creates it out of acacia wood, which Mm. is an ancient tree, Mm -hmm. and uh, coated it in gold, which may sound familiar because acacia wood covered in gold is with the same material that they supposedly made the Ark of the Covenant of Mm. to keep whatever spirits or energies uh, contain. So the guy creates this box, puts the thing in it, and since then, nothing's happened. Where is the box? That's a great question. 
Because with the final piece of this story, yeah, and this actually just happened earlier this year, uh, the box was actually purchased by Zach Baggins, who is the guy that uh, does the uh, paranormal... Oh, I thought you were going to say that guy from uh, The Hobbit. No, that's, that's Bilbo Baggins. Oh, okay. No Bilbo. relation? No, Zach oh. Baggins is the guy that runs that paranormal adventure Oh, that big show. meathead guy? The guy with the huge yeah, arms. Yeah. So he bought it, and he's putting it... Uh, apparently, he has a haunted museum in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And again... This is a, yet another sensationalistic thing. So he bought it. If you want to view the thing in his museum, you have to sign a waiver that says, I know that this thing has paranormal. So, again, mm. all of these steps could be, A, real paranormal activity. There could be really a demon in this box mm. or a spirit. Or each one of these people figured out that this is a way that they could drive up the value of this item and make some money on it. Yeah, it sounds to me like... Uh... You know, that, that would be the case. You know, one person had the idea, and then all of a sudden it's kind of perpetuated right. over the course of ownership. Um, and people, now it, now it has a provenance. Now That's it has right. a history. Right, now you want it. That it, it's semi-documented in the sense that people are reporting this, and it's well-known. Right. So uh, that's never going to go away now no, over the so course it's, of it's time. Now, it, now it's going to be known as, the, the even though it could be absolutely nothing. So you, the moral of the story is you could take anything in your home mm. and do this exact same thing with it. I have an old shoebox that I think that I store things Probably in. Probably because uh, your feet smell really badly. Yeah. And that's the smell that's coming from the box. That's the smell, and it's, uh, it's, it's haunted now. So before we end the program, I, I wanted to relay this because it just happened to me. Yeah, what happened? Uh, yesterday. Oh, yesterday. I thought you meant right now. No, 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 not All just right. now. So... My lovely family and I went to a uh, there, there was a there's a, a place in this area uh, known as Smith's Castle, which is a an old um, home that was they call it a castle, but it's just a really large home mm. uh, back from the colonial days, uh, late 1600s, early 1700s. Oh, that's old. Yeah, and it was um, it's just, like it's open for tours, it's like you know one of those heritage places yeah, yeah. that you can go. And they were having this little festival thing. Old people dressed in period attire. Yeah, there were some people yeah. like that. They have the old games, you know, like the hoop, the hula hoop thing that you hit with the stick and can you, you run around. Can you churn butter and stuff? They, they had a butter churn, but there was a sign that said, don't churn the butter. Why not? I don't, they didn't was, want it gonna, you, was it going to... Uh, they didn't want you overturning. Spirits coming out I don't of the know. butter churn? But oh. anyway, so outside of this thing, they had, you know, some vendor booths and stuff. And off to the side was this really old vaudeville, not vaudeville, uh, old, um, like, circus sideshow... Stage, you yeah. know, like with the weird graphics, like the, the old timey uh, Ringling Brothers, yeah, kind of thing. just like that. Yeah. And there was a guy walking around there, and he, he was really tall, skinny, bony, mm. old. He looked like the guy, the bad guy from Phantasm. Remember the the tall, oh yeah, the tall man is what they called him. How about like the old skeleton guy from uh, Poltergeist? Looks just like that, yeah, exactly like that. So he had a hat on too, which made it even worse. You know, those old timey hats, yeah. You know, so he's he's walking around over there. And he gets on the microphone. He goes, "The puppet show is about to start." Oh, so I don't now, like the sound of that. No, already exactly. So everybody starts gathering around. A lot of kids there, you know. My kids, they, they wanted to see the puppet show. A couple of them did. A couple of them didn't. So we go over there, and I'm already nervous, right? Because this is this is a setup that I don't like. So the guy comes out, and he's got this marionette that looks like a devil. Oh, and he's dancing to this like creepy blues music, and the thing looked like it was alive, man. It was like it was. Not just like a marionette; it was moving like a this human. This is supposed to be entertaining. Yeah, it was scaring the crap out of me. Oh right? man! I'm looking at it and I'm like, "This, this is not good. This isn't good." So my son, who's just as neurotic as me, he gets up and he goes, "I don't want any part of this," and he walks away. Right. <laughs> so then, the next thing, so he does his little dance and stuff. A huge, old timey clown face comes out from the stage. Comes out of where? Like from the back of the stage. It's, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just this large face, like a cartoonish face. Yeah. And then the mouth starts moving. 
and it's singing this creepy song. Was this, was this somebody in this thing? Yeah, like somebody was manipulating the mouth oh. from behind stage, and then balloons started shooting out of the mouth, like shooting through the air like a missile. This isn't a nightmare that you had? It scared the living crap out of me. I said, I don't want any part of this ever, and we all got up and left. That Speaking of demonic... Uh, I don't even know what it was supposed to incidences. be. Incidences. That sounds awfully scary to me. And how how they would think children would find that entertaining. <laughs> I don't know, but there were kids crying. It's trauma traumatizing <laughs> now. Kids going out. They were crying, and the parents were picking them up and running away. How many kids w- w- were up all night last night? I, I after don't having know. visions. I was of this? almost up all night after seeing this. So this man, this this gentleman, is uh, obviously this is his business. This mm. is what he does, and he's just. I don't know if he's intentionally creepy or just. <laughs> It's just like we gotta find. We gotta get this guy's information. We will have gonna, a. Uh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna find a picture of this guy and yeah. I will put it on our website because yeah, I want that. everyone to see. And he got some free publicity out of it. I, I, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't like that either, man. No, it's, tell you it, what, it was just not good. Wow, that's that's frightening. Mm-hmm. You know what else is frightening? Uh, this is this this is our sixth episode. Yes. And uh, you know, I I feel like we're gonna continue on with this. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's going very well. Um, I enjoy it. At you know least. what I I enjoy the most out of this whole process is hearing from our listeners. You know, we we do get yeah. messages on occasion, and and they're usually positive, which is good. You know what you should reiterate because we haven't had um we haven't had a, a winner yet. Well, no, we we haven't. Uh, as a matter of fact, so we, we want to give the contest again. So I did uh, I self published a book. Uh, because the major publishing houses have not seen clear to f- publish me formally. I don't know why. I don't know why either. But I did publish it several years ago, and it's called uh, Big Todd, The House of Eyes, and Growing Up Scared in New England, mm. which is a long title. But you can find it on Amazon. You can just look up my name, and it's on there, too. And it fits, and it fits within it. everybody's budget, I believe. It fits within everyone's budget. You can get it on Kindle for two ninety nine. Oh. Uh, and the, the printed copy is a little bit more. Um, but we are giving away an autographed, personalized mm. autograph copy of my book to the to uh, a random guest or guest a random listener who emails the show and explains why they love our show yes so all you have to do to enter this contest is send an email to the eon project at yahoo.com that's the eon project at, yahoo. at yahoo.com there you go yep thank you i got it out yep and then uh we will randomly select a uh an entry and send you free of charge a personalized autographed copy of my book who doesn't like something free I like free things. I mean, it's free. It doesn't take much time out of your day. Everybody nope. has email on Everybody your phone. Everybody has email. Go on your phone. To do. This is this is an ego fluff for us here. Of course. Yeah, uh, you know, make us feel good about what we're doing, yes. even if you don't think it's good. No, send us a message whether you like the show, you don't like the show, uh, what we can improve on. If you have a guest request, yeah, uh, show request, we're, we're gonna. Now that we have the technology upgrade, we're going to be having more guests on the program. Yeah, we did. It's going to be wonderful. We did. We upgraded some technology. That's why we were able to take that phone call today. Which was great. And want to say thank you to Pan Man for a very interesting interview. Absolutely. And we'll be doing more telephonic interviews, and um, we'll have in-studio guests as well coming up soon. So um, if you enjoy it, please spread the word. We want to, we want to uh, uh, spread it through all the countries in the world. Like a virus. We have no listeners in Africa yet, which we're hoping to get. I would love to have a listener in Africa. That'd be cool. Maybe Serengeti. Nairobi. Nairobi, Kenya. Burundi, perhaps. Liberia. Maybe uh, the Congo. L- l- uh, the Ivory Coast. Mm. That's still a place? It is. Oh. So, um, yeah, so next week or, well, we get to, we're going to get to, yeah, next time we're going to uh, have another exciting and interesting topic that we can uh, uh, spur discussion about. Right. And uh, it'll be fun and the adventures will continue. So just remember, the truth exists. Believe it.